Letter Podcast. I'm Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby. I'll be joined, of course, by Helbridius, aka Jake. See, you throw me because you've always done the like my good friend Jake, and <laughs> and you skipped it, and like now there's this awful pause that I'm gonna have to edit out because it sounds weird. Except I'm gonna leave it in now because it makes the intro better. I feel like that pause is always there. It's just a matter of how long it takes. So today was a little bit slower. But today we're going to be covering uh, the Derrick Rose trade, which is probably the biggest Pistons news that's happened in the last couple weeks. Um, He was sent to New York. We'll discuss the trade in a little bit and then kind of discuss his time here. And then Jake has some of the three things that I didn't feel like doing homework this (laughs) past week or two, and I haven't done. But Jake will keep us honest on that part. So without further ado, let's jump in. All right, so for those of you who are out of the loop, uh, Derrick Rose was sent to the Knicks to rejoin Tom Thibodeau. Um, and his quest to reunite the Bulls. They're doing pretty good so far. They got Taj. They got you know who they I got miss? Rose. You what? know who I really miss? Joakim Noah. I liked Joakim Noah. He was in the league last year, wasn't he? He was on the Grizzlies, right? Yeah, he he, he does some things, but he ain't, he ain't doing the things. Well, I miss Joakim Noah. I miss, I miss when Joakim Noah was like third in MVP voting. Yep. I miss that Joakim Noah. That was a wild year. But, I mean... The problem with Joakim Noah is that the NBA right now is so centered around can you shoot, can you stretch the floor, and he does not do that at all. <laughs> He's probably one of the worst in the league at it. And it's kind of sad, on a, on a bigger note, while players like that where they can't shoot, but they do a lot of other things really well, are getting kind of phased out of the league. And I feel like his like spiritual successor is Draymond over in Golden State. And you can see what he's doing right now with not a whole lot of shooting the past couple years. He's really gone kind of downhill on that, but his kind of weird basketball skills that he's not really at like any one position. He just kind of morphs into a bunch of different things and is a really good defender and really good passer and really high basketball IQ. So I wish there was more players like that in the league, but it's nice to see at least my boy Draymond is carrying on the uh, the title there. And like you say, they're being phased out, but also Draymond is part of the best team of all time. So, I mean, yes, and Draymond is just such a... Enigma, I feel like, on that team. And when they Mind were you, the that best... That was the season he shot really well. Yeah, I still. mean, that's part of it. The part of it was that he was just shooting lights out, and I still don't know exactly what happened to him with that. He, he, <laughs> his shot has been weird. He, like, when he got to Michigan State, he didn't have a shot at all. He was, like, a post player. And then by the end of it, he was shooting threes. And then he got into the league, and he wasn't really good at threes. And then he got really good, and now he's back to not being good. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. He's put his backpack back on and start knocking on jumpers <laughs> all right sorry we got really off track really quickly there but so rose and the knicks um first of all i feel like we should it'd be a disservice not to talk about what he brings to the knicks because rose was only a year for a year and a half but i feel like he had a really enjoyable tenure i think a lot of people enjoyed his time in the pistons um so i am kind of intrigued to see what he can do for the knicks that's a team that has kind of surprised people this year They've come out there probably in like 8th or ninth right now um, in the standings, but they came out, looked really good, and their biggest position to need is point guard. They have Alfred Payton starting there, and uh, rookie Iman Quickly, who's playing a lot of minutes and people have a lot of hopes on him for the future, but neither of them are really starting caliber point guards in today's NBA. Uh, Elf is not a shooter, he plays really good defense, and is a decent passer, and then Quickly is just... He's too young and just he's not ready to be a starter on a playoff team yet. 
So what do we think Rose can bring to the Knicks, and how do you think he fits into that team? Well, like, there's a big elephant in the room here, right? Which is that Rose has been on a soft minutes restriction for the last couple of years on, like, 24 minutes a game, probably. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's going to go back to playing for Tibbs. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean. <laughs> like, on, on, on skill merit alone, he's, like, the starting caliber guard for them, but. If you want him to play the next forty games, you can't start him. Like, or I mean, you can, but you have to build rotations around him playing twenty minutes a game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a fascinating question there. But I mean, you said it; they didn't have a true experienced point guard. Rose is not my favorite point guard. I mean, Rose was one of my favorite players, and I I enjoyed the fact that he played here, but. He's he's got some flaws in his game, but at the same time, like he's clearly going to be the best guard from a from an offensive standpoint anyway on that team. Uh, I think he can play alongside quickly. I, the uh, Alfred Rose pairing is going to be a disaster zone, but yeah. it, it it'll be interesting to see what they do, and especially like the Knicks, like the Rose I or the the role I see for Rose. On the Knicks is that like off the bench scorer who just comes in and he can catch you know lightning in a bottle and just get hot and bring you back into a game because he's not I don't think he I don't think even Tibbs will play him for like a full game or like a full like thirty plus minute game I don't I don't I don't think even Tibbs is gonna do that so what I'm trying to figure Over out under is, that his minutes per game goes up by four I think he's only at like twenty minutes. What is he at right now with the Pistons right now? He is at 22.8. I would say probably... get above 26? I would say probably over 26, but under 28. I'm I'm thinking 26.20 is probably where he's going to be about. All right, all right. So I picked a good line then. Four minutes. Yep. The the over-under is a four-minute bump. Yep. That is like right exactly where I would expect him to be. And I think it depends a lot on what Peyton, what Quickly, what Frankie Smokes, who's still in the Knicks as well, can bring to the table and if they can help at all. Um, but my thing with Rose going there is I don't know how I feel about Rose and Burks, who's been their kind of premier off-the-bench scorer. Like, they both kind of need the ball in their hands, and I'm kind of curious to see how that one's going to work out because they're probably going to play a lot of minutes together, and hopefully you have a good staggering where, like, Rose is the first one out in the second or, like, gets early in the first get some minutes, and you bring in Burks, and you kind of flip him back and forth and have Rose probably finish the games, but there are two really good scorers on the Knicks that need, I mean, <laughs> they need a better balance, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, neither one of them's a great defender. That's probably your biggest thing. I mean, like, Burks is a, is a high-level three-point shooter nowadays and a high-volume three-point shooter, so... I think they can play together. Maybe you're not getting the most out of either one, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's the big conflict. They're not a massive flaw you like know. Peyton and Rose, but I don't know if right, you're getting the right. best I out mean, of that. That would be awful. Or like Frankie Smokes and Derek Rose is bad. <laughs> That'd be fun to see. Um, so let's move on to kind of more of a Pistons perspective. Um, as a whole, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not incredibly satisfied with the trade. I felt like nope. <laughs> This is, again, where we have players and we don't get accurate value for them. And Rose is somebody who last year was looking to go for, like, a, a late first-round pick. 
the rumors were he can go to the Lakers, and whether that was there or not, you know, only a couple of people know that. But if that's the value that he was fetching then, and now he's getting the Hornets second round pick, it wasn't even like the we owe the Knicks the second round pick. We couldn't even get that back in the trade. So I'm just kind of, I, I'm a little nervous that the Pistons went out of the way to do the Knicks offer instead of there's probably an offer on the table from the Clippers. I don't think it would involve a first either, but I hadn't really looked too much into it. But I'm, I'm kind of nervous the Pistons did this offer so they get Dennis Smith Jr. back and they're like, they can sell it on like a, no. oh, it's a reclamation project. Maybe he can turn it around on the Pistons. No, uh, James Edwards uh, has said, I think, I know he said it on his uh, podcast recently, which is fantastic. Uh, the the Bond and the Cardigan show is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know he said that the Knicks offered DSJ for Rose and the Pistons turned it down. So this well, is not about Dennis I, Smith. No, obviously they wanted more. I solely about like, Dennis Smith, I don't, but... But I don't. I don't think this is about Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith, league wide, has almost no value. I would agree with that. I don't, he's he's an expiring I, contract. I don't, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's anyone right now who's out there going. Dennis Smith Jr. is the reason the Pistons made this trade. They wanted the draft capital, and multiple people from uh, the Pistons beat and from the Knicks and around the league. Most people that I've seen who are kind of ITK in the know have said this wasn't about Dennis Smith Jr. So that's not the concern. My concern is that Dennis Smith Jr. had no value to the Knicks, and so he's a $5 million cap holder or whatever. I mean, he expires after this year. It's not like he's on a long-term deal. Well, well so here's, here's the point. Normally, if you take on $5 bucks for somebody, you get a second-round pick. And normally, you give somebody a rotation player they want, you get a second-round pick. So we got the least of the second-round picks they could give us for two favors. Yeah. No, I that agree. just doesn't like, and, and people have pushed back. A lot of people put, Oh, what, you know, you, you don't, you weren't in the room. You don't know that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Every, every trade we've made over the last several years, people around the league have collectively gone. All right. They probably could have gotten more. Yep. And, and that's on, kind of the best reaction. There's a lot of reactions of right. What the hell are they doing? <laughs> right. And, and so like, just, on balance, these things add up. And, like, I got a lot of people I see on Twitter who are, like, these are the same people who are who are there, like, oh, look at my little margins I made on my crypto portfolio. Or look at the $10 I just made on this sports bet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't understand how you can care about those margins and not understand how the Pistons have been losing in the margins repeatedly for several years now. Yeah. Like, you go back through the Andre Drummond trade, the Luke Kennard trade, this, the Bruce Brown trade. I mean, it's um, definitely a pattern that we've been pointing out for a while. I, I guess the Reggie Bullock trade came out better than I thought, but, like, throughout those trades, you could easily say that the Pistons are missing three or four second-round draft picks. And that's not even counting the ones to be given away. <laughs> well, that's what, like, the Luke Kennard trade. Maybe you had to pay to get off Luke Kennard. <laughs> Did you have to give up four you don't picks? Think you had to pay to get off Luke I know Kennard. that two of them were <laughs> are nonsense picks. Whatever. They were assets. I don't think you could even and st- argue that you had to pay to get off Luke Kennard. <laughs> they signed into a contract as soon as they got him. <laughs> right. Well, so same issue with Derrick Rose. People are like, well, what if they just wanted to get, you know. And it's like, no, somebody wanted Derrick Rose. They went and got him. <laughs> it's it's not hard to see the math. Yeah. Somebody, Even if you don't value Derrick Rose, 
he had value to the Knicks, and you need to get that value. He had value to the Knicks. But it's argued the, he had value to the Clippers. Like there is value out there. I I I don't know for certain if it was more than this, but you could have waited to find out. It's not, there was no gun to their head. They they didn't have to make this trade right now, which is another. Well, thing. that's yeah. Time is is your ally here. But the important thing to say is just like okay on on any individual case for the most part you can say all right, the Pistons didn't get their ass handed to them in the trade. Except for maybe the Luke Kennard one. But, like, when you add it up, that's, like, I, I, I don't think three or, saying that they could have had three or four second rounders more than they do today is exaggerating in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. At least, yeah. And that's a lot of assets. That's value right there that's being left on the that's table. That's, like, you can trade three or four second rounders to get into the 20th slot in the draft. You can trade three or four second round. Like, what was it the, uh, was it the Bucks who traded for for Nikola Mirotic for like three or four second rounders? Yep. Now that didn't work out for them super well, but like, they got the rotation player they thought was going to change their lives for that. We we're giving them away. And there's always times when we've traded to get into the second round. We've traded multiple second round picks to get into the second round. Well, and that's the and that's the other thing is yeah. like. This is a team that keeps saying we don't value second rounders, but they keep trading up in the second round, like the Davida Servitas thing. We mm-hmm. gave up, was that three or four picks for that? I think it was I three and like one that was never going to come. But like, you gave up a lot of assets for that. Mm-hmm. Just from the Dave and Kennard trades alone, you can probably say that the Pistons could have four more second rounders. I I don't I don't think it's exaggerating or egregious to say that that's a negative trend, especially compared to where we were in the Stan Van Gundy era. Now they've signed better contracts and they've done better in other areas than Stan Van Gundy has. But like, that's a very clear divide when Ed Stefanski came in. And frankly, once again, this is a trade that feels like we're doing a favor for people. Yep. And I mean, it could be that we were doing a favor for Derek Rose and this is what he wants. This is what will make the Pistons more suitable to free agents in the future. I hate that argument, but it's the argument that I'm sure is on Twitter right now. So Well, and there's there's a great um there was a little recap on the Athletic um where uh, Danny LaRue and Seth Partnow and a couple of people uh just kind of talked this over for for people on the Athletic and there's this great point that Partnow writes and if I'm I'm just going to quote him here and he says uh um I tend to be a little skeptical of the value of being known as a favorite doer. It's better mm-hmm. to be known that way as an organization that can't be uh, than as an organization that can't be trusted. But I'm not really sure how much equity is available above just having a neutral reputation. Yeah, so, that's it. Like you can't make enemies uh, in yeah. in business. You can't have enemies. But there's no such thing as friends. The, you doing a favor for someone now is not getting you something in the future. Maybe they'll pick up the phone, but they're not going to be like, oh, I'll knock a second rounder off this trade because you, you gave me a good deal last time. Or there's not gonna be that a, doesn't happen. There's not going to be an agent who's like, oh, you helped my client get to this place. I'm going to try and change my agent or my client's opinion about where he wants to go because of that. It's not right. It may get you slightly favorable terms in the future, but it's not going to do that much. It's not going to get someone to come in the door that didn't want to come here to begin with, which I think is where people get lost right. on that. Right, and... and you know, it's it's like okay, if you're a good person, like guess what? That puts you on on level with like twenty of the thirty teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. 
Like, there's a few teams that don't have a good reputation. The Knicks, for example, are a team that are constantly fighting their bad reputation. It's getting better. I'll, okay. I'll give the Knicks credit on that. It's getting better over the last well, couple years. But, yeah, it, it, historically. It is, but the point, the point is, just having a good reputation doesn't get you anything above not having a bad one. Mm-hmm. So, again, we don't seem to be gaining assets. We're not getting a player that people really love. We're getting a second rounder the organization doesn't seem to value ever. And it's not going to be uh, even that high not, to begin with. Not since Stefanski, not since Stefanski's been here. It, it, it'll be like the 40th pick. You know, it, it'll be a decent second rounder, but it's still a second rounder yeah. that the organization's liable to trade for anything. I feel like it's, it's, that'll it's, end up being a mid to early second rounder at best. Like, and, and so, be decent. But... Again, we just have this thing where it's like, we traded Derrick Rose for an asset, had to be done. You don't get credit for, like, clearing the lowest possible bar. Yeah. I I had somebody I, I, I talked to on Twitter quite a bit be like, well, at least this wasn't the give them up for nothing scenario <laughs> that we've seen a few times. And it's like, that's not the bar. That's like telling me you set a personal record when you're going running because you just hit, like, a 12-minute mile on your second time ever going running. Like I it's, I'm sorry. You're still slow. Yeah. <laughs> you're not like come back to me when you're hitting like a seven minute PR. That's great. You're keep it up. You're, you're like making progress. This is not progress. This is barely treading water as far as this is concerned. Yeah. And the thing that annoys me most was that there was, there was so much time to make this deal. I talked about it for like a half a second earlier before I got cut off, but the, we're we're in the beginning of February. The trade deadline is the end of March. We yes. didn't have to make this deal now. We have this deal was going to be there in some way, shape, or form at the trade deadline. It's just I'm trying to still wrap my head around why this trade was done now instead of in a month. And my only thought is that either the Knicks were the only team in the NBA who actually wanted Derrick Rose, which I don't believe because he is a valuable playoff scorer on a pretty cheap deal for what he is. Like seven million or whatever he's at for a off the bench score, any team could fit that into their their rotation. And the fact no, that we I got think it's definitely being the favor to Derek. Yeah, this is it's got to be doing a favor to Derek, doing a favor because um, we have his old agent, and he wants to do right by Derek Rose because Derek Rose did right to come to Detroit. It's like finishing that favor that was started when he came here. So overall, I'm pretty underwhelmed by the trade, but. I don't know. At least they, <laughs> like, they, they just close the, they, they get over the smallest bar, which was, hey, they got something for him. It wasn't the Andre Drummond trade where we got just an absolute sack of nothing for someone who was at least worth something. So, I mean, it's like they just cleared the bare minimum is all. And I don't think it should be celebrated. I think it should be continued to look at why are we doing this? Why are we trying to meet the bare minimum? How is this making us better as a franchise trading for a second-round pick? Trading our probably most valuable asset that would be at the trade deadline for a mid-second-round pick. What I don't see how this is helping us. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and this is something I want to tackle two misconceptions I see all the time. First is this idea, and we it was, it was really common in the arguments around the Bruce trade, is this idea that, like, oh... Um, Trading Bruce is fine because he's a second rounder and you find second rounders all the time. <laughs> and it's like, A, no, he's a player now. Yeah. Like he's an actualized asset 
with like production tied to it. And, a and damn you can good say that too. a second rounder can be anything, but you get a second rounder to get a Bruce. <laughs> so like Bruce is the at, end goal. At, yeah. Right. At at the very best, you're gonna come level. Now, the next thing is like second rounders come good and have an actual NBA career, like I don't know the actual number, but it's like what, fifteen percent of the time? Like as you go mm-hmm. further down the draft, literally going from like the first three picks to like the eighth pick, the eighth pick has like a thirty percent chance of being a legitimate NBA player who earns like a second contract. Pistons fans would know. Like it just it just pl- the odds plummet. So when you're talking about, you know, oh well we have a second rounder back, so we can just get the next Bruce, it's like the best front office doesn't hit every time. Hmm. And good front offices are still going to get one out of every three second rounders. Like you just, you have to understand that, that you can't keep trading people for neutral assets and then expecting your front office to be the reason you like, it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Now you can do that, you know, again, if Bruce says, I want out and, you know, you desperately need to, to do like, it's not that trading him for a second rounder is bad. It's that doing it unforced and then cutting the guy you got back. It, like <laughs> that adds up. Yeah. Uh, it adds up. Oh. And then the second misconception I want to tackle is this idea that like, um, with all due respect that people deserve the benefit of the doubt. I'm sick of that. I'm so sick of that. Like, oh, Troy Weaver has a plan. First of all, Troy Weaver is not Ed Stefanski, and Ed Stefanski is clearly behind several of the moves that we made this summer. Mm. They just reek of him. But second, like, cool, he has a plan. If if my plan is bad, I get critiqued on my plan. Like, you can have an end goal. I expect you to have an end goal. You're an NBA GM. But if if the steps you're taking to get there are inefficient... I get to critique that, mm-hmm. you know, it, maybe you don't like Bruce and you think moving him on is the, the right thing. Getting back a guy you cut for more money is not a viable solution to that. Yeah. That doesn't help anyone at all. <laughs> like no. how is this helping us? How is this helping and us just before? Fr- just frankly, like front office guys don't have a great hit rate. Like I, I, I have all the hope in the world that Troy will do a good job. And he's done some things like his scouting on Isaiah Stewart. Didn't believe it. He that's proven me wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Jeremy Grant was going to be this good. He clearly had more faith than I did. Those are great things, but that doesn't mean that he succeeded. And, and like GMs get moved on on like a three year cycle because most of them don't figure it out. <laughs> So I don't know why we can't critique the process if we understand that the process is unlikely to succeed anyway. Exactly. It just it just doesn't make sense to me that we're all going to just wait to write the book until then, and then we're all just going to say, ah, oh, well, it's too late to write the book. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the point of watching the games? What's the point of being a fan then? I, I don't understand that. Yep. And frankly, I don't know of any other job where you don't get that kind of scrutiny. Like, this is just part of the gig. I mean, I feel like if everyone is, if you're not being critical of the job a team is doing, then you're just not paying attention. Because there's always flaws that you can pick out. But 
with the Pistons especially over the past year, year and a half since the kind of Ed Stefanski uh, takeover, there's been a lot of things to critique. And I think a lot of rational people have stepped back and thought, wait, what? you, ha- you say you have a plan. Where, what, what are we going for here? Besides just ditch everything and just start over, which is not a great way to start a rebuild by just shredding all assets at all cost. Like it's not, it's, it's not the best way to go about it. And it's not a smart way to go about it. I think anyone that has paid attention to the NBA over the years will recognize that. Yeah. Some people want to point to the Sixers. Of, oh, they traded everything and bottomed out. They did. Don't get me wrong. They did. But they got a lot of value for it. If you look what they got in the Drew Holiday trade, if you look at what they got for some other people, like when they were getting rid of their players that were good on the team prior, they were getting good pieces back. They weren't selling, you know, players for second round picks and just sending them away just to get them away, like we do with Bruce Brown. So, as a whole, I'm just frustrated by trying to watch this and seeing people trying to defend it and say, you know, this is better. It gives us a fresh new start. Like, Derrick Rose wasn't a, he wasn't hurting the locker room. There's nothing bad. There's not. We were gaining nothing by just getting rid of Derrick Rose. It was what we were going to get back from. That's what we've been waiting since we pretty much, pretty much since we signed him was, what are we going to get back for Derrick Rose? And the fact that it was a middle second round pick is just kind of disappointing. I would say in terms of this front office. Yeah, I I don't disagree. It, mm-hmm. And and again, like I think they've done good things, and I think they've made some good decisions, and I am willing to give them credit on guys like Grant and. You know, I think bringing in Wayne Ellington was really positive, and I think yeah. uh, Stewart was a better pick. I, I love Sadiq Bay. I obviously I think Killian was a home run, regardless of how he started the season, et cetera, et cetera. And if I'm gonna give him credit, I also get to give him critiques. Mm-hmm. Fair's fair. And I feel like we've done a good job of saying, hey, when we <laughs> when we've been wrong, we brought it up. I feel like a lot, especially with Grant, with Ellington, some of these other pieces, like Stewart, where it's like, yeah, we were critical of that at the time. To- critical of the decisions at the time and they turned out great well here's some particular spots where we're being critical of them and we're feeling pretty confident because a lot of other people are saying that as well so i don't know right and and again for the record like the bruce brown trade is set in stone now yeah because (laughs) regardless of like we could get the next michael jordan for that second rounder and that would be a, a credit to the scouts and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. If that happens, you are defying astronomical odds. And so we have to look at it the same way that they looked at it and say, okay, they got back a guy that they cut. They spent more money to cut him than they would have cost to cut Bruce. And they got back, it turns out to be the Raptors second, which might be a better second, by the way, than what they would have known when they projected it. <laughs> yeah, that was, they that wouldn't was... have known that. <laughs> Nobody thought that. But also, even if it's a better second, we're still getting back a guy, uh, a pick that has, you know, it could easily be Darren Hilliard or Kyrie Thomas or just another guy who spends two years here before flaming out. And odds are, it's like an 80% chance that happens. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me that we traded Bruce for the right to cut $2 million and a 20% chance of getting Bruce. <laughs> and again, if you scout really well and you get that pick correct, that doesn't mean this trade is good because you could have still gotten that pick some other way. 
So I feel like we could definitely this is just obje- like we just objectively got that value for it, and you you have to grade it as that. If you keep going down the the road, and you're like, oh, you know, like if you go to the basketball reference and you're like, and you look at some of the trades, and you'll be like, oh, uh, this team traded this, this, and this, and then four years later, this pick came good, and it was Amir Johnson or some weird thing. And you're like, oh, Amir Johnson was an NBA player, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but at the time, it was a you know the the fifty eighth pick, like. And I I don't even remember what Amir's pick was. The point is, yeah. (laughs) the The point is like sometimes that works out, and you're like, wow, cool. That chain of events was really neat. But like, quite often it's irrelevant, Mm -hmm. and you have to just register the odds. And if you're a GM, you don't get the luxury of that hindsight. You have to be making decisions with what you have at the time, and we have to grade you based on what you had at the time. It's only fair. Yep. Anyway, I don't I don't have anything else I want to say about that side of the th- of stuff. Yep. You want to talk about uh, Dennis Smith Jr. a bit? Yep, I feel like we definitely pounded that into the ground a little bit. So <laughs> much in a paying tribute to Derrick Rose. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 oh! <laughs> I had to get a parting <laughs> shot. Cannonballs right to the midsection. All right, so Dennis Smith Jr. He was a lottery pick to Dallas. He played there for a couple of years. Got what progressively worse each year. And then got dealt in the deal for Kristaps to the Knicks. And did he re-sign with the Knicks? Or was he... I can't forget. Maybe he signed the uh, one-year restricted free agent tender thing. I think this is just his last year on his deal. Well, it's his fifth year in the NBA. Oh, no, I guess. Nope. That's uh, two years in the... Okay, yep. This is the last year on his rookie deal. So he is a restricted free agent this offseason, I believe. That'd make it, right? Is that yes. right? Um, so anyway, so he's kind of had a <laughs> downward uh, sliding career where he started out with a bunch of promise. He was starting for the Mavs. He was playing a lot of minutes before Chris stops. He was their like young future and progressively, I believe he got hurt as well, but had progressively got less and less exciting in his second year. Exciting is not probably the right word, but less Dallas got less hopeful of him in the second year. And then of course, when Luca came, they wanted to get rid of him and make it the Luca show full time, um, especially at point which allowed them to get rid of him for Kristaps. And it's it's hard to find a case for Dunn Smith Jr., especially I would say recently. Um, he has had a less than stellar time in New York. He was kind of on a downward slide in Dallas, but got even worse in the Knicks. Which I will say it is the Knicks, so I'll give him like a five percent chance of turning it around just because he had the Knicks stink on him. Um, but that being said, I wouldn't be hopeful of any astounding things out of him. I would put him kind of in the in the same category as uh, Julia Okafor, where it's a total reclamation project. Wow. The NBA has moved on from his play style, and we got to hope that we take his athleticism and skill, which he does have. He is a very athletic, very, I would say he's a pretty skilled point guard. But he's just not made for this era. And whether he sticks in the NBA right now is really kind of up to him and up to his work ethic. I will say he does have an opportunity. The Pistons, when they traded Rose after the Killian injury, they had to get a point guard in here. Um, so it's it's nice to see that he's probably going to get some minutes some way or another. Um, because DeLon Wright... God, <laughs> just collecting these former Mavs. Um, but DeLon Wright can't play all the minutes at point guard, so Dennis is definitely going to play some time there as well. Um, and I guess we'll see. I'm not, 
I'm not totally opposed to him being like, if you're going to get back just salary cap filler, I I would prefer Dennis Smith Jr. over nothing. So we can see if he does anything this year, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Don't expect too much out of him. So so let's go, let's rewind and let's save the, the, the roster and rotation thing for, for later here a second. So the big concern for, for Dennis is not only like, did he have rocky shooting and and you know he he wasn't clicking offensively but like one of the big things is his primary skill is is rim pressure and he wasn't able to finish as well the last couple of years as he did his first year mm-hmm. downward trending finishing numbers are bad <laughs> like that's a bad sign yeah and he's not shooting well uh he's not a good free throw shooter he's not really like a preternatural passer he's a, he's an all right passer but he's he's just you know, he much like Derrick Rose, he's a guy who scores, and then when he's scoring well, he opens up enough to be a decent passer. You know, he's not Rajon Rondo. You know, he's not a guy who thinks pass first. So, if you're the hopeful type, then you look at it and you say, "This is a kid who, while he was still really young and still figuring it out, went from a Dallas team that really wasn't sure how they wanted to use him to a Knicks team." that was coached like butt was the Knicks and was the Knicks (laughs) and then he went to Tibbs who didn't like him and you know so he's just in an office situation also he had uh, I don't believe it was his mother I believe it's his mother-in-law passed away Mm. you know so he had some family tragedy that apparently hit him really hard I think he's dealt with some depression stuff so like there's there's this um Sorry, I'm watching the Pistons game, and, and Plumley just pulled the Zaza Pachulia, and I'm... <laughs> all right. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't get distracted, Jake. So, there's there's this, this pathway where you can say, okay, this is a change of scenery and a new opportunity, and maybe he's, he's uh, dealt with some things, or maybe this is the chance he needs to deal with some things, and he'll be, you know, he'll be able to come back and, and start developing again. He's got a lot of ground to make up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a long way to go. But and there's there's again, it's part of it is just like he's not finishing well, nor can he shoot free throws. So there's not a lot of hopeful trending things to to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. And he's not a good defender. So like, there's also just that part of it where it's like, okay, the pessimistic side is. If he's going to have to earn minutes to stay on the floor, he's not doing a lot of stuff that earns minutes to stay on the floor. Um, now, moving on to the rotation question, you're not wrong that, you know, much like a Jaleel or a Josh Jackson, like this is a chance for, for a reclamation project to come good. There is, however, this big question of like the point guard is a really important position. And if you're the bench point guard, you're playing with Sadiq Bey, you're playing with Svi Mikhailuk, you're playing with Seku Dumbia. And guess what? A guy like Seku right now desperately needs a Rajon Rondo in his life. He doesn't need a Derrick Rose. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't be a guy who comes in trying to prove yourself, putting up a, a 35% true shooting percentage or whatever he's at you know, puking up shots and not making great passes because we have guys that I value much, much higher that need to get these developmental reps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, part of me is like, do you start him? And then 
you know, and then you play Dylan Wright with the bench, or you know, how do you how do you manage these minutes? Because I I don't want to see much Dennis Smith Jr. Seiko Dumbia minutes together. Don't need that. Yeah, no, that would uh, be inter- ah, it'd be interesting. There'd be a lot of athletic flying around craziness. Assuming that they're able to pass and like I I just I don't I don't need it, and so. You know, it's not that I want him benched, and it's not that I don't want him to succeed, but I can't have him trying to succeed at the expense of other people. Yeah. So that's that's a, a concern that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what he can do on the Pistons. Like I said, he's going to get some opportunities. He's going to get minutes that he obviously wasn't getting on the Knicks. I think he was down playing in their like G League team. Because the Knicks didn't have any minutes for him, so I think he'll definitely. Well, it get hasn't a kicked off yet, but uh, he he that is one like really positive thing is that he volunteered to be on the and like asked to be assigned to the G League so that he could get some time and get some reps. Yeah. So that's like a really positive. And by all accounts, sign. He seems like a he seems like a good kid. It's not like you're coming in with the guy who's just a bad like. A bad presence in the locker room, someone who's just going to come in and pout and be gone. Like, it seems like he does want to come in here. He does want to at least be a professional. Right, so, yes. I mean... Yeah, it's not It's not like he was a, a, a person who is being ostracized for being a, a bad... Inf- you know, this isn't a... a uh, who's the, the Cavaliers? Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, Kevin Porter Jr. You know, it's not like that. You know, like his... You know, we, I talked about, like, some some issues with mental health with him possibly like it, that hasn't been something that has affected the team around him at all mm-hmm. so you know it, it's it's not that kind of situation thankfully yep and i mean overall like you're getting a kid who's 23 he's still fresh <laughs> he's pretty fresh into the league and you know what we'll see maybe in this year he's like i said he's on a year contract Maybe he shows something this year that's enough to bring him back on, and down the world, down the road, uh, Casey, who has a pretty okay track record of kind of turning people around, like I look at like a Christian Wood, I look at how Josh Jackson's been doing this year. I think he's got a halfway decent track record of like getting to people and kind of getting them uh, back into that kind of performance level. So we'll see if he can do it with Dennis Smith Jr. Like I said, I'm not gonna hold my breath. I'm not gonna. I'm not expecting him to be like an NBA starter down the road, but if he gets if he gets his act together and if he gets if he kind of updates his game, I could see I could see him having a chance to make a NBA rotation and kind of be a player moving forward that is a positive asset. So right. you're you're hoping that he becomes your Jordan Clarkson, yeah, right. You're you're hoping he becomes what Derrick Rose has been. You know, or or eighty percent of that for for you as your sixth man bench guard, and that's that would be a a, a pleasant surprise, I guess. Yeah, it's like you know, it shouldn't be the expectation. It's like and, I don't hate it, him. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's healthy from a fan's perspective to to expect or or even hope for that, and I don't think it's fair to him to expect or hope for that. So, no, I think uh, temperance is advised. All the way around. Yep, I'm not. I'm not expecting too much, but I would not be shocked if for Crow and say, "Wow, it was only Derrick Rose for us to get Dennis Smith Jr." So I guess we'll see. 
That's the only that's only one thing we could do is just watch and see. So. So I know you did say you had a couple, uh, three things or so that you brought in. I, like I said, was not prepared for this. I did not feel like doing homework over the weekend. Um, so why don't you kind of tell us some of the things you've been noticing while watching the Pistons? Um, so I have to apologize. I, I asked for some bad losses, and we got some bad losses. <laughs> um, we got we got the I'm Lakers really winning there, though. I, I enjoy having bad losses. But, uh, yes, we, we beat, beat the Lakers, and then we took the Lakers to two overtimes. So... Uh, bad losses to help prove that we're actually a bad team and and good losses and good wins to help prove that you know it can still be a good team no, we're not the, <laughs> it's the all, what is it 2016 76ers or whatever year that was <laughs> yeah yeah so just in general like i it's good to be reminded that like you're a young team that needs to be um, and, that, and that you are a rebuilding team, and it's also good to be reminded that that doesn't mean you can't compete and try hard. So, so we did just mention one. Both both sides. Can are you good. name the five teams Pistons have beat this year? Um, the five teams the Pistons have beaten this year. Uh, the Suns. The were Suns one were of one. Them. We got like I said, we got the Lakers. There's two. We didn't get the Hawks either nope. time. We did good overtime. The Celtics. We didn't. Did we get the Celtics the first time? Uh, we did the first game. Yes. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, I don't know. So the, the other two, two are the Heat when the first of that like back to back. I was gonna guess the Heat, but I thought we lost the nope, first we, one. We like blew the doors off them that first game. Was that the was, that was a blow off blowout? Yeah, game, we beat them by like twenty five or something like that. It was a really weird game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then the other one was the Seventy Sixers. So the Pistons don't win a lot and they don't win often, but when they do win, they at least take on the good teams in the process. <laughs> Good wins yep. only. <laughs> I can't explain it, but hey, apparently we should just keep playing the Lakers and like the, the Clippers and the 76ers and the Bucks, and we'll do good. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, other observation here, uh, Blake's game in LA was the best game he'd played yet. He looks pretty good tonight so far from what I'm seeing. I got half an eye here on the Nets game. And, Another good uh, team. It looks like he played well. That's nice to see. Um... Let's see. This is a winning right now? What? So that's gonna come back to bite me, but what? Oh, Durant's not playing, isn't he? Uh no, but it is Kyrie and Harden. Oh. <laughs> so. I'm not the most hopeful of that bearing. <laughs> we'll being see. honest. Um maybe the last thing to cover is that uh they're talking about an all star game in Atlanta <laughs> and just like boo that God, noise. I, I cannot why. That's <laughs> Among the stupidest Every single player ever. that has came out and talked about it has said, yeah, I don't want to do this. Why are we doing this? Why is this a thing? So. And I, I have suspicions that it's going to, I don't, I don't really think it's going to happen because LeBron said yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, that's what it boils down to. The players <laughs> aren't going to do it and LeBron is in the way. <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> if LeBron and CP say, I don't want it, then it's not going to Did we happen. not prove that in the bubble? <laughs> it's, LeBron's word goes for the NBA. So if he says no, they're not playing. Um, yeah, but still, just it's such a stupid like. You can make money off the All Star Game. You know, you can do things like you can do charity drives and all sorts of stuff. Like make All Star jerseys that give significant uh, kickbacks to mm-hmm. charity. Don't host the game. People will buy them, and 
like win win. Well, I mean, I th- like there there are very easy ways to to monetize having a brand this big, and having an event, you know, an all star event that isn't. Oh, you go, Delon Wright. <laughs> well, my thing with it is that uh, all star weekend for me, the the thing I care about more. I don't really hardly ever watch the game. I'll maybe tune in for the fourth quarter. Just to see, because that's when people... Confession time, I love the All-Star game. <laughs> that, what? It works for me, I, I'm sorry. What? I did not expect that. I love All-Star games. You were the last person I expected to like the All-Star game, Mr. Mister Fundamentals. <laughs> it's exactly because I'm the last person you'd like, though. Like It's it's like I turn off all the coach speak, and it's like I just like to have, like, seeing these guys go out and have fun, and like Steph Curry laying down in front of Giannis that one time. Hilarious. <laughs> all right, that one is funny. <laughs> the one time Steph Curry threw a lob... To Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, yep, yep. And then you cut to like. There's fun uh, moments can't in there. Yeah. If I cut to Carlisle or cut to uh, cut to Cuban, who was just like, "Fuck no, please, God, no." Like, I think it was break, Carlisle. Don't break my franchise guys' I, I back. Think like, I think it was Carlisle who was like, "No, <laughs> not now." Or like to bring to bring up a name we mentioned earlier. When I first started getting back into basketball, before we'd even gone to our New Year's Day game, that like really kicked off me going to ba- going getting back mm-hmm. into basketball. I watched one of the All-Star games and, like, saw Joakim Noah just hanging out. And I was just like, this goofball-looking dude, I love it. Just, like, there's just an energy about All-Star games that I enjoy. I will never forget the the All-Star game where, like, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James just decided to, like, go at it for a little bit. Hella fun. Well, that's what I was about to lead was that I, like, when... I'll usually tune in for, like, the fourth quarter when, like, things get serious. But the thing I like most about the All-Star game weekend is kind of those, like, Saturday night like dunk contest, three point contest, skills contest. And I think it was on the Bill Simmons podcast, I think, where they had mentioned, why are we having a full all star game? Let's just have the guys be at their facilities and do like a three point contest or a dunk contest. And I think one of the. Yeah, it, that seems like such an exactly. easy win to just put guys in the practice facility and do it. And like contest. one of the things that people were saying was like, oh, well, there's no, there's no crowd, there's no fans, it won't feel the same. You can have some of the people from the team, whether it be the players or the coaches or whatever the heck, in the crowd, like, having fun, hyping their guy up. I feel like that would be awesome. Like, having a dunk contest in your own building, or, like, having a three-point contest, or you're, like, shooting around your practice gym. I feel like that would be a hell of a lot of fun. And it's all, I think, the main bit, at least for me, it's the main bit of the All-Star weekend. Like, I can survive without the game. You ready for a take? I'm always ready. I think, I think instead of doing the All-Star game... We should do a dunk contest where somebody gets to nominate someone from like every team, <laughs> and they all get to do a pre-recorded dunk. Uh, I don't want to pre-record it. Like, show me the best thing you can pull off if you get as unlimited chances. I want to see your best take, whatever that is. Best take. Let's break it down for all thirty teams. I mean, I want to see that separate from I, like a dunk contest. I like can that could be the intro to the dunk contest. Three hours full of content for that. Easy. So you're saying everyone on the team? I'll fill the whole Sunday night with. Are you that. saying the whole entire team? No, but like, like you give me you give me thirty teams, and I have to like whittle it down, and maybe people submit like two per team or two per player. You know, if you nominate one player, so that there's like a two round thing or whatever. Hell yeah, I can fill that content. So question slot. for you, and that content slot is going to be better than who the are the Pistons game. nominating them? Who are they? Who are they bringing up? Uh, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, I feel like is the obvious choice. I feel like like the dark horse for it would be Seku, because he's. Well, okay. <laughs> That's who I think people would actually we, want. We just got a dunk contest contestant and Dennis Smith Jr., that is true. so maybe Dennis. And, I mean, we have one of the goats uh, as well, Frank, Blake. Frank Jackson is, is a two-way player, but Frank Jackson can bang. <laughs> like, Frank Jackson was a 44-inch 44, 44 mm-hmm. guy at uh, the Combine. Like, 
they, they, they got, got some Josh people. Jackson as well. He could throw down. Oh, that was what I was going to say was. Seku could I, try. I would look at Josh Jackson. Like, also, we have Blake Griffin. <laughs> I know. That's what I was saying. Like, we got, like, the dunk contest, like, Godfather. Like, they would have to work him in somehow. I don't think he'd be dunking right now. <laughs> I don't think we can risk it, but. Seku, set your motherfucking screen, yeah. <laughs> man. All right. Well, it sounds like you're pretty busy with the game. I don't want to distract from what could possibly another Pistons win uh, too much. Do you have any more things before we go? Any more hot takes we got? Uh, just things I want to yeah. see. Uh, no more COVID scares like Denver. Yeah, no. And uh, I want to see Jeremy Grant, like, top five in the All-Star game voting. Let's get let's get him to, like, maybe in. Yeah, let's get him at least, if not in, at least close to getting in. Cause he's Above, he was 10th last time. Let's get, let's get him, like... In the rankings to a point where it's like, maybe it'll happen. Is, are there still coaches' decisions on that? Is that still a thing? Maybe we can, maybe we can get them to like, in consideration for a coach's pick or something. Yeah, coaches only ever vote in guys who are on winning teams. That yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Grant, Grant's, Grant's not going to make it, but we need to at least make it like look cosmetically like he maybe could have made it. We'll see. You know, one of those basketball reference things where it's like, he came in third in all-star voting mm-hmm. that year. All right. Yep. That's all I got. So we'll be back probably next week as well at our normally kind of schedule, unless anything crazy happens. Normal <laughs> in Tuesdays. The, in the Detroit sports or soccer. Yes, world. Josh, yes. Josh Jackson to Seku in transition once again. This is great for our My favorite audio pair. podcast listeners. Um, Look, people are watching the game, right? <laughs> people are still watching games. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you next Tuesday. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a good night. Good night. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.